0: Hey dreamers, welcome to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you've been led here, I believe it was on purpose. You are created and loved by God and your life is full of purpose. If you've been sitting in a season of searching or unfulfillment and you're ready to change your life and hear from God, this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Polly Payne, the CEO and founder of Horatio Printing, and I'm here to lead you in tactical, practical, faith-led trainings to help make your God-sized dreams a reality in your life and your business. Your dreams matter because you matter. So open up your planner, pour a cup of coffee, and let's dream together. Hello,
1: friends. I am so excited to introduce you to my new friend, Barb, who wrote an incredible Bible study called Freedom from Procrastination. Um, You know, I love to come on here and talk to you guys about dream planning and productivity. And we all know that procrastination plagues all of us. And I'm just really excited to have this conversation and let Barb bless you with the knowledge that she really brings to the table. And so I just want to go
2: ahead and introduce Barb. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, Polly. Yay. I love your podcast. I actually just found your podcast uh, not too long ago, and it's helped me so much in my own life. So just thankful for all your work and your planner too. I just Mm -hmm. started using your planner for for next year. I just started filling out all those pages and I just feel like it's going to be so helpful. I just love it
1: yay that makes me so happy um and if you want to be sure to come to the dreamer summit we have a ton Mm -hmm. of speakers coming and um if there's pages you haven't filled out yet in the front maybe you're like oh i'm not sure about this one or that one it's really fun to do it in a community we actually have a global community to come all together and uh it's a virtual event you know you can watch it from your pjs and um, i love it yeah we have a ton of speakers coming and That'll be fun, December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. But go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them a little bit about Barb.
2: Well, I'm a retired homeschool mom. I have four kids. They're all adults now. I live in Montana. My husband and I love to backpack, hike, kayak, camp. We just like all those fun outdoor things. And I've been writing for, well, since 2006 or so. And I was a procrastinator who hated to write. And so I learned to uh, overcome the procrastination so I could write. Now I've published six books and I have two more just about ready to go.
1: It's amazing. So take me back to the birth of this Bible study, what inspired it? and kind of how you crafted it together, the okay. freedom from procrastination.
2: Well, with my other books, I feel like I I wrote them from the level of experience, right? I already kind of figured out that area of my life. But with procrastination, I was only like midway through the journey. So I was still, you know, procrastinating a lot when I wrote that. And I'm still not completely over it. Sure. But I just wanted to write a book that would help other people stop procrastinating. I know you talk a lot about fulfilling dreams on this podcast. And I think one of the things that keeps us from, you know, fulfilling those dreams is be procrastinate. We think it's too hard. We can't do it. Uh, Maybe we don't think it's that important. Let's just wait till tomorrow to do it. And so I had written all these questions in another book, uh, the renewing the mind project to make me actually want to write when I sat down to write and I couldn't make myself do it. And so this procrastination Bible study is, was a book just to help people who are working on anything they want to do in their lives. They feel like they can't do. It might be just following a daily list. It might be working on a dream. I wanted to re- write a resource to help those people. And I didn't realize while I was writing it, that God would really use it to help me. I just can't believe how much I grew in that area as I wrote the book and tried out everything for myself.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, when I was re- reviewing your book, um, there's so many things I like about it, but one of the things that you have really structured it is with these questions or, or these statements that we come up with, maybe call them excuses, reasonings to not take action. And, um, John Acuff in his book Finish, he refers to these kind of things as um, noble hiding places, <laughs> places we hide and make these noble excuses of not taking action. Like, you know, it's not that important, or whatever the excuses are. And I love how you didn't just say what they are. Like, oh, here's an excuse. Like, you really dive into it. Like, what's the root of this excuse, or what's the root of this reasoning why? we're staying stuck or we're staying in that um, analysis paralysis. And I also really love how the Bible study is, it's like a workbook. You actually create a to-do list inside the book. Um, You have the top three list for the day of what are my top three things I want to get done for the day, which I love. That's just like my daily notepad. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, you go a little further of give a time estimate. Am I, I saw the D or the I, which is like, am I delegating or um, oh, it's my brain is slipping. I
2: can't even remember what the D or I was. I think <laughs> it was, oh, it was uh, do you dread it or is it and is it important? Oh, because if okay. I put little Ds on the ones I dread, that helps me see, oh, I better do those first. Cause I really dread this one or if oh. it's an I for importance. I'm like, okay, this is super important. I better not leave it till the end of the day.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, my brain thought D to delegate. Because um, sometimes you can pass it I on wish somebody. we could delegate all those
2: <laughs> dreaded things. That would yeah, be much better. So,
1: that's so funny. And then priority. Is it top priority or not? Like, what is the priority? Do I dread it or is it important? And what's the time estimate? And then at the next week, when you step into the next week, you assess, was my list realistic? was the time estimate realistic? And that's the step that I think we're missing because we'll beat ourselves up and beat ourselves up with, I didn't get it all done. And I'm just, I'm just not good enough. I just can't hang. I'm not super mom. I'm not enough. We have this, I'm not enough story. Mm -hmm. And, um, when truly you had way too much on your plate, you were overestimating what you're capable of because we have limitations. We're human, you know, we're not superhumans. And so I just really love this book and how practical it is. I'm a practical Polly. Um, <laughs> so I guess just dive into like, what would be your key advice to someone who is raising their hand and saying, like, I'm a procrastinator? Where do I start?
2: I think I've I would start actually, you know, with what you teach, Polly, doing the top three things the day. So just start small and say, okay, I want to get those top three things done each day. Then when you come to one, well, first of all, I put the one you dread most at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. And if you can't make yourself do it, because I was the person who would, first of all, I write way too much in the list. I think, oh, it won't take long to do this. So I make this big list. And That just defeated me right from the beginning because I didn't have enough time to get it done. So the time estimates helped me be more realistic about what I could get done. But when you get to that item in the list that you dread, what I always used to do is I'd put it off. And I would put it off for maybe five years. That's how long I have been known to procrastinate something. And so with those items, you have to be more proactive. So the first thing I do is find out why are we procrastinating? And in that... In the book, I have five different reasons it's not important. So that would be something like, well, like weight loss, losing the last five or ten pounds. A lot of times, people lose fifty pounds or so. Last ten pounds, you can't lose it because it's no longer that important to you. So, like if you're losing it because you're healthy, you're you know for health, well, you're pretty healthy by that point. So, whatever it is, you have to figure out why is that important. Or if you're working on a goal, let's say writing a book, you might. I think the goal itself is important, but it's not that important to write today. You know, I can do that tomorrow, but instead it's really important to develop a habit, you know, write 15 minutes every day, because that's what's gonna get the book written. And then the next one is um, we don't enjoy it. We don't like doing it. So if we don't enjoy doing it and we're not, you know, more of an indulgent personality, that's what I am. I'm an indulgent personality. I'm used to just living by my feelings, If I don't feel like doing it. I don't wanna do it. So. We have to work through that being willing to do things we don't enjoy doing and kind of getting rid of that mentality that, you know, there's no reason we should do things we don't like doing because we might not like doing it, but we love having done it in order to check it off the list and say, oh yeah, I did that. We've got to do it. The next one is we're too overwhelmed. So if we're overwhelmed, everything in our life is overwhelming. It's really hard to make us ourselves to do you know, to work on dreams and things like that. Cause our whole life is, you know, you got kids, you've got, um, you might have an outside job. There's just so many things you need to do. So with those things, we might need to break it down and make and reduce our expectations on how much we can get done. And then the last one is we're afraid of it. So we're, we're afraid of failure or we think, oh, we can't do it. We don't know how to do it. I don't know how many times, um, I haven't done something because I was afraid I couldn't do it or not. wasn't even afraid I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it, but then God helped me do it. So find out why you're procrastinating, then renew your mind, replace those thoughts, replace those lies with truth. So I don't know how many times I sat down to write books and I would write, this is too hard. I can't do it. It's going to turn out terrible. And so I'd number those thoughts. It's too hard. And then number one is too hard. And I'd write this is hard, but it's not too hard. Um, I can, uh, that's probably all I'd write. This is too, it's hard, but it's not too hard. And then I can't do it. I'd write, I can't do it perfectly. I can't do it instantly. I can't do it without mistakes, without failure, but I can do it. God's help. I can do it. And so you just kind of go along, you change those thoughts in your mind, um, renewing your mind. And then the third one, just break it into small steps. Um, because it's a lot easier to do one step than it is the whole project. And then focus on the first step. And I would even go further and try and set things out the night before. Like one thing I procrastinate a lot of times is making dinner. And I don't know why, I know that's pathetic, but I think, oh, it's too much work. And we're empty nesters, so it's not like dinner has to be on the table. My husband doesn't care if, if there's dinner, he's happy to make his own. But so I might, in the morning, if I know I'm gonna make something complicated, I'll put out all the ingredients on the counter in the morning, including the pot and everything, and that way at dinner time it's like, oh, it's not that hard. I have all the ingredients out, and I'm less likely to procrastinate it. So that sort of thing.
1: That's so good. I remember taking a productivity training at this company I worked at. I guess the boss was like wanting to amp up productivity, and one of the things he tricks he said was if you have to call somebody tomorrow, he'd have he his long to-do list, and on his he had a D for delegate. So that's why I was the thing. <laughs> His name was Michael Scott, which is funny because that's the name of the character from the show The Office, you know, but he wasn't that guy. Um, But he he said to write out their phone number next to their name on the to do list, because if you have to call somebody but you don't have their number and you have to look it up, that's one reason why you won't call them. So on your to do list, you make it as easy as possible So if, like mm-hmm. I have to call the doctor tomorrow for setting up an appointment for my daughter. It's like I'm gonna put the number right there on the to-do list. So I have zero excuses to pick up the phone and call the doctor or call Tennessee water or get the fiber set up on my house or whatever. Um, but just those little things like I love that that reminds me of like just having the pot already there. So it's like there's no excuses. I'll do that for like crockpot meals. I'll be like, oh, okay, crockpot meal, that's so easy. But then it's like, oh, I've got to get the crock pot off the fridge. And like, <laughs>
2: yeah, right. That is, it makes it harder. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. But just like having it all, even the night before, if it's a morning crock pot situation, it's like just having it all there, um, setting yourself up for success versus, you know, running up to the finish, the start line with your shoes untied, you know, like go ahead and prepare yourself because we're going to come up with reasons why we don't want to do it. You just right. spit out so much amazing advice. I'm also an indulgent personality. So I totally relate to that. Like if I don't feel like doing it, I don't want to do it. Um, which is why like I tend to focus and I'm productive in the areas I like, and I'm really unproductive in the areas I don't like.
0: Um,
1: one, I guess one thing I was wondering is, you know, if something is something you really don't enjoy, like, let's say you don't enjoy working out. You know, I like to ask myself, how could I make this really enjoyable? Like whether it's choosing an activity that's really fun, you know, like if you love rollerblading, I don't love rollerblading, but some people do, you know, but like finding something that would make it fun. Cause like, I will never get on the treadmill and run. Like, I'm just not going to do it, but I'll go to a dance class or like a Zumba class and make it fun. Or like, if it's something you hate to do on the computer or whatever ask yourself the question how could I make this enjoyable like what could I do to make this enjoyable maybe it's gamification like Mm -hmm. if I get this done I get a reward you know or some way to make it more fun because work doesn't have to be uh unfun like some stuff is tough taking out the trash whatever like that's just stinky you know like there's things we have to get through and like you need to grow and challenge yourself and stuff. But I think it's nice to ask yourself that question. How could I make this enjoyable? Like, what could I tweak? Yeah. Cause you're allowed to work doesn't have to be um, terrible. You can, you can figure out a way to make packing up a home fun. Like maybe we put on the records or maybe i listen to a podcast while I do this task or, you know, like something that, um, can make it enjoyable and like sit down with that question before you jump into the task maybe.
2: Yeah yeah actually, I actually have two examples of that and one is with house cleaning. Um, I did this actually when my last kid was still at home too and I still do it now so if I have a bunch of mundane tasks which I don't really like doing um, let's say I have 10 house cleaning chores I'll write a list like 1 through 10 in in my planner of everything I have to do. And then I have this little bowl that I actually keep on my desk. and It has little numbers in it. It has actually has little numbers 1 through 20. And what I do is I'll draw a little number out of the bowl and when and then I'll look at my list and whenever a number it is on the list, that's the job I'll do. So, when my daughter, last daughter was home, all the other kids that already left, we split the house cleaning. So, we keep an actual list of all the house cleaning chores. We put on good music and then we just, whenever we were done, we'd go draw the list. So that was a fun way to do that. And I also do that for writing. I go to the bakery to write, because even though I don't really enjoy writing that much, I love going to the bakery and I love the commotion, all the people I know, you know, I have a lot of friends there. And so that's a fun way to write. So I I love that idea of trying to make things fun. And if you really hate it and you don't have a way to make it fun, make it short. So just do like 15 minutes. That's what I did back in the old days where I had all my kids at home and it wasn't so easy to go to the bakery. I just wrote for 15 minutes because that's honestly all I could make myself do back in those days because I hated it so much.
1: Hmm, that's good. If you don't like it, make it short. I'm the same way. I like being in the commotion. I think there's something of about being surrounded by the energy of other people. Mm-hmm. Especially when you see other people working, there's just something that, like, we're all working. Okay, we're doing this now. Same thing with like going to a At home workout or in a class, I cannot work out at home. Forget about it. Like Mm -hmm. the teacher's doing this. I'm over here on the floor, like, yeah, okay, let's move on to the next thing. (laughs) But if I'm in a classroom where the teacher's there and she can actually see my body and there's other people around, like, I'm just going to do the whole class. I'm going to stick with it. And that's a limitation of me. But it's also like, you know what? That's me and that's okay. And that's what I need. And I know myself and that's okay. You know, and to know yourself, like maybe you don't do great work at five 30 in the morning before your kids get up, like someone else does, and that's their trick and they do a great job with that. But maybe that's not when you get into flow and like, that's Mm -hmm. okay. You know, it takes time to figure out, um, what leads you to the best rhythm of creating your best work. Um, and for me I would like a
2: bowl but it would just be filled with starburst. <laughs> and yeah.
1: Every time I finish the job I would just... Yeah.
2: Well that would definitely be more fun. <laughs> I actually like your the what you're doing in December too because I love like filling out your little planner and thinking about that so I'll put on nice music at home and you know do it at home. But if I didn't like doing that that would be really fun to do with a group. I mean I just love that idea of everybody together working on that. In fact, I'd like to do it anyway, even because yeah, I, I like it, people, even if I can do it at home, it'd be fun. It is fun. And, and what's
1: really neat is you see how quickly you can actually get it done mm-hmm. with the designated time, because it's a working event. Like we teach, I teach about it. We have different speakers come in. We've got Don tree Wilkerson. We've got, um, Allie Worthington and all oh, kinds wow. of people in the wheel section of the planner. We have an expert for each area of the wheel. So if you're oh, you know, struggling with your finances, that. and that's the area that you want some real support in, we have Amanda Neely, who's a financial expert. And then for marriage, we have um, Deborah Fillet. And so, and then all of the videos are replayable. So afterwards, you can go back and watch you know, the other sessions that you're struggling in. And that's really fun because I don't claim to be an expert in all that. I'm struggling too. Like I made the planner seven years ago. I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, make it all come true and stay on track. And, you know, it's a journey. It's not like you get it and you're just done, you know? Right.
2: Absolutely. I wonder if that work at home too, just on a regular basis, if there's something, some goal you're working on some dream, but you had a hard time making yourself do it in a practical level. If you could just have a book, written by somebody who kind of encourages you to do that sort of thing. And you could say, okay, before I start working, out, I'm going to read five minutes of that book and that'll mm-hmm. motivate me to do it. So you could do something like that too, maybe.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I like that Barb full of ideas. <laughs> so one thing that you mentioned that I like is the um, it's critical, not just to get the goal done, but to develop the habit. Mm-hmm. And Because at the end of a big goal, the finish line can be the trickiest. Um, You're mentioning about like weight loss, like you lose the first 50 pounds, but the last 10 pounds are really tough to lose. And that correlates with the law of diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. Like when you first start something, it's like, wow, look at the progress. Like if you're in a dark pitch black room and you light one candle it's like whoa two candles three candles it's like oh wow we can really see the room once you get to the lighting the 16th or 17th candle it's not that much more flame it's not that much more bright it's the same amount of work that you're putting into lighting that 17th candle but you're not seeing the the wow success at the finish line right so how do you what would you say to somebody at the finish line of like Oh, I'm struggling. Like, do you have any advice there for somebody at that ending?
2: Yeah. I think a lot of times when we start a goal, we think, Oh, this is going to be so great. And we have this big shining image. Like it's the goal is up in the sky and it's surrounded by confetti and bright light. And we just think it's so great. And then halfway through, we look at what we're doing. Like if you're writing a book, you look at the book, you think, This is terrible. I can't (laughs) believe this book is so bad. I can't believe I'm even trying this. And at that point, we lose all our motivation because it's like, this is not going to turn out well. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is just maybe having realistic expectations. It's like, how often in life do we, I mean, maybe ever, do we get a hundred percent? So, like if we say that I'm just gonna try for 90, I'm just gonna go for excellent. I'm not gonna go for perfect. In fact, even with weight loss, you could say, hey. I've lost 50 pounds. Do I really need to lose the last five or 10? Is it that big of a deal? Uh, So either we need to find a different motivation if we really want to do that last five or 10%, or just let it go and be happy. And I guess too, like if if we could spend a certain amount of time getting to 90% or 95, how much time do we spend on that last 5%? And is that time really worth it? And what is that time keeping us from accomplishing with other things? Mm -hmm. So I think some of it really is learning to let go of perfectionism, um, let go of that shining image in our mind, which was nice to get us motivated, but maybe isn't realistic for really how it's uh, all going to turn out. And if it's a goal, something you're working on a dream that's going to help other people. It's like, I don't have to write the perfect book to help somebody because that's going to be, you know, that that's their journey. That's going to be them thinking about it. um, if, If they're, you know, have faith in that something they go to God for help with. So I don't have to be responsible for doing it all.
1: That's so true. And that's really overcoming the fear of judgment, you know, like I'm not going to make it perfect and the person that's reading this is going to find something that maybe isn't perfect. And I have to remove that fear of judgment because their judgment of me is not as important as important as me getting this done mm-hmm. and helping the people I'm called to help. Right? Yeah, I've seen so many people want to try to get there with a dream and they just throw it out because they couldn't get it to the perfection standard they wanted to. But someone on the other end of that obedience was waiting, whether they could see them face to face or not. And so I think that's really important of just keeping your your eyes on the prize in the sense that your dreams are often bigger than you.
2: And right. you know, and and I think you also have to be willing to be judged, willing to be criticized. I think any time you step into any role of leadership, you're inviting yourself to criticism, judgment, condemnation, because not everybody's gonna, thinks you're gonna be doing it right. So mm-hmm. you just kind of have to accept that. And in a way, it's like it's like laying your life down out of love for others. And one of the ways we lay our life down is we we open ourselves up, uh, let ourselves be vulnerable. To people saying, "This is terrible," <laughs> and but this other person is me saying, "This is great. I love this. I so needed this." So you kind of look if you're in doing something to help people, you know, look for who are you trying to help. What's your group? What you're writing is gonna or doing. I keep talking about writing, is so that my, my is my own journey? Sure. But whatever you're creating will help some people, but it might not help others. That's okay. You don't need to help those other people. That's so true.
1: I was um, struggling with some, I'll call them border bullies. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that term, people that were discouraging me from doing certain things with my business or whatnot. And um, I was speaking to my spiritual director and she had me read a book called Dream Giver. And it's about this man named Ordinary, no man named, I think his name was Oh yeah. Man named ordinary living in the land of familiar. And he goes out of his comfort zone. Oh wow. And he hits the wall of fear. It's like an allegory. He hits the wall Mm -hmm. of fear and then he finally is going to go pursue the big dream that the dream giver gave him. And at the edge of the comfort zone, all the border bullies come out, people that love him, like his mother, his friend. And because he had moved from the land of familiar to closer to the comfort zone, or comfort, out of the comfort zone, he had disrupted their comfort zones.
2: Interesting.
1: You know, like, whoa, 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 where are you going? Like, that's going to disrupt me because, you know, if you go step in the limelight, the people around you are going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or not the limelight, but like authority, leadership, whatever it is. And, um, and that was really kind of like startling the author had a similar experience where he had a calling to start an orphanage in Africa. People came right to his door. I don't think God's calling you for this. Like, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Like, are you sure? And we get those people in our life. And sometimes it's wise counsel, you know, especially if someone's gone there before, you know, like if you're starting a podcast and somebody who's an expert podcast comes to help you or direct you or advise you, Well, that's wise counsel, you know, but if someone comes up and they've never attempted anything like that before, and that's way, way out of their comfort zone, it's like, okay, we have to have that discernment of like, is this person wise counsel? Why are they bringing all this opposition to me? Where do you think it's coming for them? Maybe they have fear of judgment and fear of failure for you, right? They're trying to add to it because they don't want that for you and it's disrupting Cause it's beyond where they've gone. Right. And so that was just really helpful um, to visualize that and know like you're often going to be met with that, whether you have it internally in fear or someone brings it to you and you're like, I did not expect this opposition from like my best friend on writing this book. Um, right. So maybe your best friend isn't your target audience for who this book is going to help. Right. And so we have to bring that to God and, um, and really have discernment, um, because people can mean well, but they might not be the wise counsel you need to listen to when it comes to pursuing your dreams.
2: Yeah. That that actually happened to me when I first started writing like 14 or 15 years ago. Um, it was just so hard. And I had people say, well, maybe if it's that hard, it's really not of God. So, And and the other thing is, I didn't really have the assurance from God at that time that he wanted me to write. I actually prayed for it because I really did not want to write. And and so I said, oh, you know, please show me if you want me to write this, Lord. And it was my Bible study, Freedom from Emotional Eating. He never gave me that assurance. And I think the reason he didn't give me that assurance is he he wanted me to write the book out of love for others, to help others, and out of love for him, and not... um, just knowing that it'll be worth it for my effort, because I didn't want to write a book a book that nobody would want to read. And then later on, he gave me that insurance. So, I think sometimes we just do whatever we do, just just as a service, out of love for God, for all He's done in our lives, and as a service for other people. And if we do it that way, when we have these other people are saying, um, "That's too hard." Remember, that's what Peter said to Jesus, like, "That's too hard," and Jesus said, "Get get behind me, Satan." So. I guess be willing to, to make the sacrifice and you can't always know ahead of time how it's going to turn out. So you kind of have to hold the outcome with open hands. Yeah.
1: You bring your best and then you Mm -hmm. give it to God, you know, you have to show up and do your hundred percent, but ultimately surrender the outcome. Right. This has been such a great conversation. I feel like we could talk forever on this. Um, so I definitely want everyone to connect with you. I'll have a link to your book below freedom from procrastination, but tell everybody a little bit about your podcast and what they can expect over there with you, Barb.
2: Well, I have two different podcasts. Um, one is the Christian habits podcast, and that just talks about a number of, you know, a bunch of different issues and letting go of negative emotions. Uh, there's some things on goals there, procrastination, um, going closer to God, just a whole bunch of you know, habits, we or topics we encounter in regular life. And then the other one is geared towards uh, breaking free from the control of food. That one's called Taste for Truth. So those are my two uh, podcasts and you can find them at barbraveling.com, just one L. Wonderful. Thank you
1: so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dream Planning Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a quick 30-second review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, share it with a friend, share it on social media. I just want to thank you in advance for helping to advance this mission. Have a wonderful day. You are so loved. And I truly believe the best is yet to come.